you got your Bibles with you, let's look at John 14. John 14, and uh, we're going to start there. Now we're going to continue our series. We started last week. It's called Fresh Air. Everybody say Fresh Air. Fresh Air. Fresh Air. We're talking about the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And hopefully that these messages will encourage you to develop a, a more intimate fellowship with the Holy Spirit, that your uh, friendship will get stronger, that you will realize the importance of the Holy Spirit in your own life. And hopefully, like always, we want to preach in a way that uh, erases all the fear and misconceptions about the Holy Spirit that there are in church, and even in the world, but in the church world too. Uh, there's a lot of fears and misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. We want to clear that up. Uh, because a lot of things have been taken out of context or things that have happened. And people don't understand because they're believing somebody's experience more than the word of God. So we're going to talk out of John 14. Now, everything I'm going to read today is red letter. So that means Jesus is saying it. So I would say, let's listen to what Jesus has to say about the Holy Spirit. It's kind of important what Jesus has to say. And if he says the Holy Spirit's important, the Holy Spirit's important. And uh, in John 14, we're going to read in John 14 and John 16, those chapters today. But in John 14 and verse 16, it says, now Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit to his disciples. He says, I will pray that the Father, he will give you another helper. He will give you another helper. So the Holy Spirit is our helper. Notice that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. Now let's jump over to John chapter 16 in verse 7. John chapter 16 and verse 7. We like to read a couple of verses before we get going in any message to kind of show you where we're going to go today. So John 16 and verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, that's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Let's jump down to verse 13. However, when the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will speak not on his own authority, but whatever he hears me, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. And he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Verse 15, all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. So if you're taking notes today, the title of my message, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, is Your Divine Advantage. Your Divine Advantage. Your divine advantage. Now, let me clear up a couple things before we go, go any further today, kind of like we did last week. Uh, we talked about the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is uh, a lot of times misunderstood in the world and in the church uh, because people uh, don't know exactly what to think about the Holy Spirit. We mentioned this, when people talk about the Spirit, it's kind of vague. It's kind of like something that it's just a force, it's just a feeling, the spirit, spirit fingers, ooh, the spirit. And it gets a little weird, it gets a little spooky. Because when you say Father, Father God, we know what that means. When you say the Son, that makes sense to our minds. But when we say the Spirit, we don't know how to really understand that with our natural minds. And how many know God is bigger than our natural minds? There are things about God that you will never understand till you get to heaven. And then when you get to heaven, you need all of eternity to still understand it. Because you're not God. And your finite mind and brain is not big enough to comprehend the fullness of God. And so when it says spirit, a lot of people have a lot of misunderstanding. They don't know what spirit means, the spirit of God. Now, what sometimes makes it worse on people is this, and we make jokes about this around here. Um, because, you know, we don't apologize for being a spirit-filled church, but there's a lot of misunderstandings about that. And, you know, you know, people that, that uh, go to some denominational churches, they use the word Holy Spirit. But, you know, if you go to a Pentecostal charismatic church, they're going to use Holy Ghost. 
It's just bound to happen. That's just something that we do, you know, because they're reading from the good old King James Version that was made 400 years ago. If it was good enough for the Apostle Paul, it's good enough for me. That's what they say. Um, and uh, that's a joke because he didn't do King James Version. Okay. Um, but they say Holy Ghost because that's how some Bibles translate it, Holy Ghost. Now, that makes people freak out even more. I mentioned this last week, but I don't like horror movies. I don't like scary movies. Uh, uh, most of you that do like those need deliverance, and you need to, the devil cast out of you because you're not right. Uh, so when we say ghost, automatically people are afraid. They're like, I don't want Casper, the friendly ghost, living on the inside of me. And people talk about the Holy Ghost and say, you need to receive the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost wants to live inside you and wants to come upon you and change you into, and you're like, I don't want any ghost touching me or being around me. Come on, let's be honest on a Sunday morning. That's what you're thinking. Uh, because it sounds a little weird and a little strange, which it does. Uh, but that's just the best way they could translate it. Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. Uh, because they didn't really know how to define it. Now, we, we said that last week, this word spirit really means wind or breath, the wind and the breath of God. That's the best way that they could describe it was the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God is the breath, the wind, the air of God. We mentioned this uh, last week when we were talking, we said that the Holy Spirit wants to breathe afresh on you just like he did before. He wants to breathe on you just like he did in Genesis when he breathed into Adam and Adam became a living being. The Spirit of God wants to breathe on you like that and make you come alive again. He wants to, we use this example of a ship with no wind. A lot of times a ship with no wind, especially back in the day before motors, uh, they weren't going anywhere and they were stuck and they were dead if they didn't have any air or breeze to blow by. And God wants to give us some fresh wind in our sails by the Spirit of God. Because in reality, we are a, a sailboat without wind apart from the Spirit of God. And we need the Holy Spirit to blow on our lives and give us some fresh wind and some fresh air and some breeze so that we can do what God has called us to do. And so some people get uh, scared of the Holy Spirit. Some people base it off of weird experiences in church. Now, I'm 29 years old. I've been raised in a church uh, my whole entire life. And I've seen a lot of weird things in church. I've seen a lot of weird people in church. Can I get amen? amen? You notice the people that don't amen are the weird people in church. Weird people? What? Yeah, that's you we're talking about. I've seen a lot of weird things in church and a lot of weird things that people do and said it was the Holy Spirit. And that's what turns people off. A lot of people said it was the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost made me do it. Now, he will not make you do anything because you have a free will. He will only do something in your life if you allow him to do something in your life. And a lot of people said it's the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost made me do it. Holy Ghost made me laugh through the entire service when nothing was funny. Now, you're laughing now, but we've had that happen many a times. We're like, ushers, somebody, get this lady out of here. I remember one time, and I'm just going to be honest with you on a Sunday morning. Um, one time after that happened, that was before I technically became the lead pastor, and I was at lunch with mom and dad. After service, after about the 15th time, the laughing lady decided to come to church and mess up the whole entire service. And I'm thinking, Dad, you're usually intense about everything, and you're letting this lady go. And so I, we get to lunch, and I'm like, Dad, are you going to do something about this laughing lady? She is literally messing up the entire service. And he was like, well, I'll let Brother Sean and Miss Donna handle it. <laughs> All right. Of course, they handled it, and she's no longer here. Good job, guys. Good job. But, but you know, in, in reality, uh, something that they said was, I can't help it. Holy Spirit's making me do it. You know, uh, people that are obnoxious in a church service a lot of times say, well, I can't help it. 
Holy Spirit's making me do it. Now, I'm all for you being expressive, but being expressive in the right way. And it's really the Spirit of God. Not just you showing off to show off. And so we got to be honest about that in pertaining to the Holy Spirit because a lot of things happen and they're weird and people have blamed the Holy Spirit and that's what turns people off and they don't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit. But in reality, notice it's the enemy that does that because the Holy Spirit is the best friend and the best gift you could ever receive. And so the enemy wants to twist it and make it so weird and seem like something that's so not attractive and something that you want to stay away from to make it seem like you shouldn't have him in your life. And that's the plan of the enemy, to make you uh, despise something that's from him. So let me tell you today, if something's weird in church and it doesn't draw you to God, it doesn't help your relationship with God, it's not from God. If people do weird things in church, realize the Holy Spirit's not weird, the person is weird. Okay, I just want to clear that up for all time. And a lot of times people will blame it on the Holy Spirit and then notice they buy it and say, okay, well, if that's what the Holy Spirit's like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be crazy like that person. The same person they put on CNN. From Kentucky, not Indiana, by the way. Little joke there. That lives in the hills and has one tooth, drinks poison and handles snakes. And that's the Holy Spirit-filled person they get on CNN, right? They don't want to get somebody who's normal and successful in life. Why? Because they're trying to discredit the Holy Spirit. They never get somebody normal on there. But notice again, once they show those images and those type of people and those strange things, that's what people associate with the Spirit of God. But he's the furthest thing from that. He is your best friend. He is the greatest gift you could ever receive ever in your life. He's the most important person to you, and the Bible calls him your helper. Your helper. And he's not just a force or a feeling. Now, I believe you can feel God. We don't live by our feelings, but I believe you can feel God. But he's not just a force or a feeling. The Holy Spirit is a person, and he is God. Just as much as the Father is God and the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. So we're going to really dive into this today. So let's look at John 14 again and verse 26. We're talking about your divine advantage today. John 14 and 26. This is red letter, Jesus speaking. And before we read this, realize that Jesus was saying this to his disciples right before he was about to go to the cross. He was saying this to the most important people in his life before he died. Now, you don't just talk about nonsense to the most important people in your life before you're about to die. You talk about the most important things that you want to share with them. And so Jesus shares with his disciples the most important thing they can know before he goes to the cross. And notice what he talks about, the Holy Spirit. It's important. If Jesus thinks the Holy Spirit is important, we should think the Holy Spirit's important. John 14, 26, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things I've said to you. All the things I've said to you. Now, I want to bring out something today. A lot of us don't have an Amplified Bible, but an Amplified Bible a lot of times really reveals what the Greek New Testament has to say. And this word where sometimes some Bibles say helper, some Bibles say comforter. And if you look in the Amplified Bible, there's a lot more words than just that. And it really expands our definition of what the Holy Spirit is. So listen to what I have to say for a second. These are names that the Holy Spirit's given. This is what he's supposed to do in your life. Are you ready? This is what it says. The Holy Spirit is your helper. He's your comforter. He's your counselor. He's your advocate. He's your strengthener. Your standby. 
and your intercessor. That's all in the Amplified Bible if you look it up later. Those are all things that the Holy Spirit wants to be to us. I love it. Some other translations say that he's our encourager. And the message said he's the friend. The friend that sticks closer to the, to, than a brother. He is your best friend. He should be closer than any relationship you have in your life, the Holy Spirit. And he wants to be your friend. Notice he doesn't want to make you weird. He wants to be your friend. He doesn't want to hurt you. He wants to help you. And I love that. It brings out the full definition of what the Holy Spirit is. He's our helper, our comforter, our counselor, our advocate, our strengthener, our standby, and our intercessor. That's amazing. Those are all things that the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life and my life. And he's well able to do it. In John 16, let's look over there. We're still talking about the Holy Spirit. In John 16, notice he's still talking to his disciples. He's sharing with them about the importance of the Holy Spirit before he goes to the cross. John 16 and verse 5. He says, but now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I've said these things, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage. To your advantage. Now, it would do you service to underline that. Notice it says, to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, that's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So, Jesus said, if I don't go away to be with the Father, if I don't go to the cross... I can't send the helper, the Holy Spirit. Now it says that his disciples were upset for good reason. His disciples had left everything to follow Jesus for three years. They have been with him everywhere, doing everything, seeing him heal people, deliver people, and believing that he is God and he is the Savior of the world. And then after three years, Jesus said, I got to go. I got to go to the cross. They were all shocked. They were all upset because their leader was saying, I got to leave you guys after they had left everything to follow Jesus. But he says, don't go without me. Tornado? Rainstorm? What? <laughs> okay. So, he says, I'm your divine advantage. He says to his disciples, if I don't go, then I can't send you the helper. If I don't go, I can't send you the helper. It's to your advantage. Now, I want to talk about that for a moment, to your advantage that you go. Jesus is God, but the Holy Spirit is God. He said, I'm going to send you another one just like me. Not less than me, just like me. So when we get the Holy Spirit, we don't get a downgrade from Jesus. They're the same. And in reality, when Jesus was on the earth, he could only be at one place at one time. Because he was in a physical form. So if you wanted to be in the presence of God, you would have to go all the way to Israel, find Jesus to get around God. Because he was there in physical form. There was only one of him. But he says, it's to your advantage that I go, because when I go, the Spirit of God will come, and he's just not in a specific location. He's everywhere. So you could be in the tallest mountain, or the lowest valley, and he's there. You could be in New York City in a penthouse or in an island with nobody there, and the Holy Spirit's still there. So it's to our advantage because if Jesus was only in one place at one time, that means that he could leave you, or you could leave him. But the Holy Spirit, I love this, Jesus was God with us. That's Emmanuel. 
but the Holy Spirit is God in us. That's why it's better. And that's why it's to our advantage. So that means today, everywhere I go, God goes because he lives in me now. Every place I go, the Holy Spirit is already there living in and through me and around me. So I'm never apart from the presence of God. That's to our advantage. Come on, can I get amen in the house of God? And so it's to our advantage that he goes so he can send the Spirit of God to be everywhere, helping everyone at the same time. So he's not just with us now. He lives in us by his Spirit. And it's to our advantage that he went. It's to our advantage. And we need to see it like that. Notice it's not a downgrade. He is the same as the Father and as the Son. He is God. But more importantly, he is the God who never leaves us. The God who is always in us. The God who's always moving through us. The God who is with us to help us in our time of need. He is the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of God. And that is the time and age we live in is the age of the Holy Spirit. Come on, are you getting something this morning? And so notice the Holy Spirit, he is sent to be our helper, our comforter, our counselor, our advocate, our strengthener, our standby, our intercessor. That is the Holy Spirit and who he is to us. And we need to take advantage of this divine advantage. Take advantage of this divine advantage that we have in the Holy Spirit. That he's with us and he's in us and he's living through us. And now... If we want to be in the presence of God, guess what? We don't have to go to Israel to find God. And you know what today? You don't have to go to church to find God. You don't. It helps you, but you don't. There's nothing special about this building. The only thing that's special about this building is that we're here and the Holy Spirit's here. But you know, tomorrow if they sold this building and it turned into a factory, it would be a different place. And that's the good news about the Holy Spirit. No matter where we are, we can encounter the presence of God. The power of God can be there at our work, at our school, at our house, wherever we go. If we go to another country, we don't know the language and we're scared and intimidated. We know that the Holy Spirit is there in us and through us and he will never leave us. And we don't have to go to church to have God's presence. We don't have to go to church to to have God hear us. He just, now he lives in us and through us by his spirit. I don't know about you, but I'm getting encouraged about the Holy Spirit as I'm preaching today. So he is our advantage. You know, I know that most of us are believers today, not everybody in here, but most of us are believers. And and Kenneth E. Hagin said this, believers need to be more God inside minded. We as believers need to be more God inside minded. Let me tell you what that means. A lot of times when we're in need and in trouble, we're grasping. God, help me. And a lot of times we feel like God is at the opposite end of the universe and we're over here. And he's not helping. But the truth is, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit's right here in you. (laughs) You don't got to get his attention in heaven. You don't got to go to church. He's right inside. And we need to be more God inside minded. You know, when we're God inside minded, it brings peace. It brings comfort. It brings hope. It brings joy. Realizing I'm not grasping for something far away. He's as close as the air in my lungs. He's right here. And he's there to help. Come on, are you getting some help this morning? So the Holy Spirit is our helper. And notice, we need to be God inside minded. He lives in here by his spirit. That was his choice, not ours. That was his plan. And that's not exalting us. That's taking advantage of what he's given us. The Holy Spirit living in us. God inside minded. I want to talk about three things today. It's 11.07. We're making great time, by the way, with all our dedications and everything. 
I'm going to talk about three things that the Holy Spirit is to us. So I'm just going to pick a couple of these and talk about them. First of all, we want to talk about the Holy Spirit is your counselor. The Holy Spirit is your counselor. Now, I wrote this down thinking about counselor. We go to a counselor for these things, for direction, for guidance, and advice. We go to a, a natural counselor for direction, guidance, and advice. And it says the Holy Spirit is our counselor. He is our counselor. Now let's look at John 16 in verse 13. John 16 and verse 13. It says, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He says that the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. And he will tell you, all of you, things to come. Now, you could just write this down. We're not going to turn over there. But in 1 John 1, in verse 20 through 27, it's talking about the Holy Spirit. And he says that he will lead you and you will know all things. Now, we're talking about him being your counselor. It says that the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. He will tell you things to come. Are you seeing the counselor right there? And he will tell you things, all things that pertain to you. Those three things. That's how he counsels us. The Holy Spirit will tell you all truth, all things, and tell you things to come. Those are all scriptures I just read about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to be your counselor. A lot of times when we have questions, we go to the wrong people. All right now. Come on now. Don't we? We go to friends. We go to family. We go to guidance counselors. We go to people that don't know everything about everything. And we say, what's your advice? What's your counsel? What's your guidance? And we never think once about asking the Holy Spirit, who knows everything about everything, by the way. And we want to see what their finite brain has to say about our situation that they can't fix. Instead of going to the one who is the Holy Spirit, who knows all truth, who knows all things, and will tell you things to come about your life and seek his counsel. The Holy Spirit, this is a word used for the Holy Spirit. He's omniscient. means he's all-knowing. And newsflash, we're not. We're not. The smartest person you know is not all-knowing. The Holy Spirit knows everything about everything because he is God. And it says that he wants to tell you and lead you, notice, lead you into all truth in all things, and tell you things to come. Now, when I say all truth, all things, and tell you things to come, I'm not talking about all things in the universe, because you don't need to know that. When he says he wants to lead you into all truth, and all things, and tell you things to come, he's talking about, about your life. Not other people's lives, but your life. And that's a guarantee from the Holy Spirit. He wants to be your counselor, and he wants to lead you into all truth concerning your life. He wants to lead you into all things concerning your life. And he has the ability, because he is God, to tell you things to come about your situation. Do you know that God can tell you the future about your future? He's God. And his word says he's willing to do that. Now, I believe he won't tell you everything because that won't take any faith. But he will tell you what you need to know about things coming up in your life. And so the Holy Spirit, notice he's our counselor. He will lead us and guide us into all truth concerning you. All things concerning you. And he will tell you things to come. 
Now, I'm just, I'm just going to use some common sense here, but we should talk to the person who knows everything about everything. We should ask his guidance, his advice, his counsel more than any other person in our lives. And let's be honest, a lot of times he's the last person we talk to. And we could get situations solved weeks ago if we were to talk to the right person because he knows. Amen? So the Holy Spirit wants to be our counselor. We need to believe that. He wants to lead us and guide us into all truth for our lives. All things pertain to our lives. He wants to tell us things to come. He is God and he is all-knowing So we should seek the Holy Spirit's counsel with whatever we do. If you don't feel right about something, don't do it. That's the Holy Spirit trying to lead you. If you feel like you have the peace of God about a certain situation, that's Him saying yes. That means you need to do it. Sometimes He's going to speak to you by by your inward witness. Sometimes He's going to speak in that inward voice. But sometimes He's just going to lead you by the peace of God. And we need to listen to that because He's trying to counsel us and lead us into all truth. You guys getting something this morning? So the Holy Spirit wants to be our counselor. Number two, the Holy Spirit wants to be your helper. Holy Spirit wants to be your helper. Now, we're going to have some fun here. I just feel lively today. I feel lively most Sundays. (laughs) But the Holy Spirit wants to be your helper. Your helper. So the Holy Spirit wants to be our helper. The, The word helper means to come alongside, to assist, help, or give strength. Helper means to come alongside, to assist, to help, and to give strength. In Acts 1.8, it says, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power. You will receive power. Now, power to do what? Power to do what? Well, he says power to be a witness, but I believe power to do anything that God has called you to do. The Holy Spirit has come upon you, and when he comes upon you, you receive power. To be able to do what God has called you to do. The Holy Spirit gives you power to live a Christian life. Now that's what frustrates people. Christians tell non-Christians to live like Christians. Don't they do that? People get mad at people on the news. They're acting like they're not Christians because they're not Christians. Because the fact is... We can't live this life apart from the Holy Spirit. And he's the one who gives you power to live a victorious Christian life. You can't do it without him. He gives you power to fulfill his will. He gives you power to do what you're called to do. He gives you power to be a witness. The Holy Spirit comes on you and he gives you power. Now that's one of the main ways he is your helper. He gives you power to do what he's called you to do. So the Holy Spirit wants to be your helper. Now, a lot of times, people will go to one extreme or the other pertaining to the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you what I I mean by that is there's people that say, it's all God. And there's people over here that says, all me. Well... It's both. And that's the way God made it because you're not a robot. He gave you a free will. He gave you a choice. And God wants to help us, but we have to do something for him to help. And he can't help what we're not willing to do. And so a lot of us say, God help me, but we're not willing to do anything And there's no help for you. And he wants to give you power, but if you're not doing anything, there's no reason to give you power. If I asked somebody to come uh, pick up the pulpit with me and I didn't lift my side, they couldn't help me pick up the pulpit because I'm not doing my part. 
In the same way with the Holy Spirit, if I'm not willing to do something, he's not willing to help. Come on, are you hearing me today? Because we need to be balanced about the way we think about this because there's two extremes here and they're both not successful because they've forgotten that I need to do so he can help. And if I don't do, he does not help because he's a gentleman. And we have a free will and a free choice, so we have to allow him to help us. So we must do something for him to help us and give us power. The Bible says that we should be doers of the word. And it calls the Holy Spirit the helper. So we're the doer, he's the helper. We're the doer, he's the helper. Now, pertaining to your everyday life, a lot of people will say, well, God, you know, I believe that you can heal people and and I want to see people healed. But he will never do it unless you step out and lay your hands on somebody and notice, and when you do, then he helps. But we're waiting for the power of God just to do it apart from us. That's not the way he works. That's the way the Bible set it up. It says he moves through his body. He moves through his church. We are the hands and feet of Jesus on the earth. And it's God's idea and it's God's plan to use us to do his will and do his work on the earth. It's the same thing about telling people about Jesus. A lot of us have good intentions about that. Man, I wish that guy at work would get saved. I wish somebody would would help him. I wish somebody would tell him about God. (laughs) Well, the Holy Spirit's not going to do it without you. Because when you do, then he helps. I don't know about you, but I've been in so many situations. And you think I know how to talk just because I I can talk on Sunday mornings. But in real life... I can get nervous. I knew you couldn't see me getting nervous, but I can. And sometimes I don't know what to say. But the promise of God is this. If I do, then he helps. And there's been so many times I felt nothing. I knew no words to say. I was completely blank. And God said, say something. And I literally forgot the whole entire vocabulary that I've ever had in my entire life. I was like, "Ah, ah, hi, Jesus, how are you? I'm like, what's the matter with me? I can get up and preach on Sunday morning. I can't talk to somebody one-on-one. But I've had so many times, I literally have nothing to say. Forgot every scripture. Couldn't remember anything. But when I do, then he helps. And as soon as my mouth opens up, the Bible says he will fill your mouth with the right words. And notice and give you power to do what you can't do in your own strength. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen this morning. I've had that happen so many times in my life. I am blank. And God says, speak up. And I say, no. I got nothing. I'm going to sound like an idiot. And as soon as I speak up, when I do, then he helps. Now, we're, waiting, we're all waiting on the help before. That's not the way it works. That's not faith. We're waiting on the power and the feelings before we do something. That's not the way it works. When we do, then he helps. If you don't remember anything else after this message, I want you to remember that. When we do, then he helps then he helps, but not until then. You know, a lot of people that are addicted to drugs and alcohol, things like that. Now, I've never dealt with that addiction. My dad has. A lot of times people will say, well, God, just heal me. Just deliver me. Just take these feelings and cravings away. And you know what? Sometimes God has done that for people right then. But majority of time, he's told them to do something first. Because when we do, then he helps. 
I know for my dad, after he got saved, he was still smoking marijuana, still drinking. He said it from the pulpit. He didn't want to keep doing it, but he was addicted. And notice the Holy Spirit was working on him. But when he first got saved, all those feelings and cravings didn't go away because he was waiting for him to do something so then he could help him. I know sometimes we don't want to hear that because that makes us have responsibility in this. But it's true. And so I I remember my dad, he said this. Now, I'm not telling on my dad because he said it publicly. He's in Nashville today, secretly listening to this. (laughs) Hopefully not. But he said before, after he was saved, he was still dealing with this. And one night, He's in his house, smoking weed. (laughs) Dr. Jacobs, smoking weed. Yes, I just said that. And uh, he said, God said, it was after he was saved, he's reading his Bible. He said, I thought you, you said that I was your most high. I thought I was the thing that you lived for. You told all your friends that I was the only person you need. He said, you need to get rid of that. And notice he went and he threw it away. He didn't plant it outside his backyard. I'm throwing it away, God. Let's get a little water and fertilizer here. Make a lot of money for the kingdom on that. I didn't. I didn't say it was okay to do that. But notice, when he did... He said after that day, he never smoked marijuana another day in his life. And he said the craving stopped after that. Because when he did, then the Holy Spirit helped. Same thing with alcohol. He said he was drinking alcohol one night, saved, reading his Bible. God said, you told everybody you don't need that anymore. You just need me. Pour it out. He poured it out. And when he poured it out, that was the last day he ever drank alcohol. But notice he had to do something for God to help him. You understand what I'm saying today? Because I know all of us want God to be our helper. We want the Spirit of God to be our helper. But he's looking for some action from us. He's looking for us to do something. Because notice when we do, then he helps. And like in Acts 1.8, it says, then he gives us his power to do what we can't do in our own strength. So the Holy Spirit is our helper. Okay, lastly. The Holy Spirit is your divine reminder. The Holy Spirit is your divine reminder. You guys get something today? So John 14, John 14 and verse 26. We got, we got one more thing we want to talk about, then we'll close for the day. John 14 and verse 26. The Holy Spirit is your divine reminder. It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And notice, he will bring to your remembrance all the things that I've said to you. Now let's jump over to John 16 and verse 14 and 15. It says, he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And all the things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. The Holy Spirit will take what is the Father's and declare it to us. So we're talking about the Holy Spirit is our divine reminder. Our divine reminder. Like we just read in John 14, 26, it says that he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance the things I've said to you. Now, I'm a good church kid. That's debatable, the good part. But the church kid part's right. Um, So I grew up in church my whole life. I know Bible verses that people use uh, when they're younger. The one Bible verse that was always used in my schooling was this verse. Because I'm not a studious person. All right. Nobody else wants to be honest here. When it comes to 
It's cool. Now, I am when it's things I care about. Sorry, parents. <laughs> like the Bible. Don't, don't use my example as a schooling for your children. So, I'm studious about the Bible and other things I care about and other books like that. Um, I'm studious about, like, leadership stuff. But when it came to school things, I mean, P.E., art, music class, and lunch dominated all four of those. But other than that, not so much. P.E., art, music, lunch. I just dominated those classes. It was awesome. But other than that, you know, I wasn't that very studious of a person. So um, a lot of times when it became test day or quiz day, there would be panic. I'm also can be a procrastinator. So that means I wait to the last minute to study for things and then believe in my own smarts because I'm prideful that I'm going to actually ace the test, which normally that wouldn't happen. Certain people can do that. Not everybody can do that. But there's one scripture that would always come to mind when you're about to take the test you didn't study for and you hear your mom's voice saying, Jordan, pray. Pray for God's help. No, Pray that the Holy Spirit would bring to your remembrance all the things you've studied. <laughs> so, there's something that goes with that statement is you have to study something for God to bring to your remembrance what you studied. That's the only part that got me on that scripture. And I remember so many times, in geometry, in physics and chemistry, head down, praying, God, bring to my remembrance the things I need to know for the test. And God would always remind me, you didn't study anything. There's nothing up there to recall <laughs> at all. You got the name, you got the date on the test, that's where it stops for you. Just wing it the rest of the time. And then, you know the teachers that, that say, show your work? See, that's where it gets me too, because I'm just guessing at stuff. Show my work? I mean, I did it in my head, I can't do it on the paper. That's just me. So God can't bring to your remembrance what you don't put in first. The Holy Spirit is your divine reminder. I know a lot of you have smartphones. Most of you do. If you don't, then you probably uh, have a pet dinosaur and live in the Stone Ages. <laughs> um, but <laughs> most of you have smartphones, and what you do on your smartphone is a lot of times you take notes on your smartphone, and most of us put reminders on our smartphones so that Tomorrow, I don't forget what I was thinking about today. It will pop up and the alarm will go off and it will remind me of what I put into my phone. I know so many times in my life, I thought I put a reminder in my phone and I'm waiting for it the next day and it never comes. And I'm like, I've totally forgot what I was going to do. Or the worst is this, and a lot of us can be in this category. We thought we set our alarm to remind us and nothing ever goes off. And I have to be honest with myself sometimes. If the reminder doesn't go off, it's not the phone's fault. It's that I didn't put anything in it for it to remind me of something. Are you picking up what I'm laying down today? It's the same way with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our divine reminder. But we have to put the Word of God in us. So that when we need it the most, the Holy Spirit comes and reminds us of, of what we need when we need it the most. And a lot of us are praying that God would bring to remembrance the things that he's saying, but we're not putting anything in us for him to remind us of something. 
That's why it's so important that you come to church and you listen to preaching and you listen to teaching. And during the week, you listen to podcasts and you go online and you get into the Bible. And trust me, there's so many translations. You can find one you understand and you get the word of God in you and you get the word of God in you. And like one old preacher said, put the word of God in you when you don't need it. So it will be there when you do need it. And you're putting it in you so later on when you need it the most, the Holy Spirit, your divine reminder, will give you the word in season for what you need that day. But notice it doesn't happen unless we're putting something in us. You know, a lot of times when we wake up and we're like, I need a word from God, the reason it's not there is because we didn't put anything in. You can't go to the refrigerator and... Be mad at the refrigerator when you're hungry when you didn't go buy any groceries and put it in. Same thing with the Word of God. We have to put something in us first, and when we do, it brings He brings to our remembrance things that we need. Now, with this book, you realize some days you read it and you feel like, I have no idea what they are talking about. There are days like that. But then there are other days that every word on the page is exploding. Sometimes there's days that you go through Leviticus and Ecclesiastes and by the end of the book you are weeping and gnashing teeth with sackcloth and ashes and you're reading the book of Job and you feel bad for yourself and you're like, God, is this inspired just like the rest of your word is inspired? And he says, yes. Like, you sure? These books, I could see like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and some of the, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11 and scriptures like that. But really? Lamentations? A whole book about crying? That's not what I need. But how many know when you... Put it in you, it comes out when you need it the most. The Holy Spirit will remind you. Because he's your divine reminder. And the thing about the Holy Spirit is he's God, so he knows the words you need when you need it the most. And I've seen God pull scriptures out of Ecclesiastes, Job, Leviticus, Lamentations on a day when I didn't think I needed it, and a scripture from Lamentations will come up, and you'll be like, what in the world? That scripture, but on that day, it meant something to me, and the Holy Spirit reminded me of what I needed to hear when I needed it the most. But we got to put something in us for him to be able to speak to us and remind us of his word. The Holy Spirit is our divine reminder. We want God to speak to us right here. You want an audible voice right here every day. Guaranteed way. You want to hear God's voice every day? The word of God. There are spectacular times when people hear God's voice. There's supernatural things that happen. But every day, the word of God. And the more you put it in, the more it will come back out. The more you feed on it, the more he will remind you of it when you need it the most. And trust me, it will be some random scripture sometimes. And you'll say, I remember reading that. That was a rough day reading my Bible. I was like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What does Leviticus and scabs have to do with my life? But then he'll bring a scripture you need to know. I'm going to say this before we close talking about your divine reminder. I love it because I I mentioned this earlier. One of the translations says the Holy Spirit is your encourager. How many know the Holy Spirit every day is your number one encourager? He's your best friend if you really realize that. When you need encouragement, a lot of times we look for other people. Sometimes we can't get it from them. But if you go to the Holy Spirit, he will be your encourager. And you know what? He will remind you of his word, but you know what? He will remind you of who you are. 
when you got your head hanging down low and you're discouraged and you're depressed and maybe you don't feel like work is going good, the Holy Spirit will come in that situation and he will be your divine reminder and remind you of who you are and remind you that you are a child of God and remind you that you are a king or a queen in the kingdom of God and remind you that he has a good plan for your life and remind you that he only has good things in the future and remind you that you're an overcomer and that you're victorious and that peace is yours and joy is yours and healing is yours. When you're discouraged like that, the Holy Spirit comes in and reminds us of who we are. We're not victims, we're victors. We're not defeated, we're overcomers. But you know, some days we don't feel like that. And some days our situation doesn't say that to us. And so what happens is the Holy Spirit comes in and reminds us, no, that's not who you are. This is who you are. And gives us the encouragement and word we need. I don't know about you, but I'm encouraged today. I'm uplifted today. I'm feeling better and better about the role of the Holy Spirit in our life. He will remind you of what you're called to do. He will remind you what you're called to do. I'm only called to do one thing. I know that. I can't work at a factory. I can't work at McDonald's. I can't work as a lawyer. I can't work as a doctor. I can't do all these jobs because I already know what I'm called to do. And if I did anything else in my life other than what I'm doing right now, I would be out of the will of God. I don't care if I was making 10 times more money. That's not what I'm called to do. And the Holy Spirit will come and remind you of what you're called to do. What's your grace to do? Because all of us have a grace and a calling on our lives. But it's a tendency in all of us to drift from his plan and to drift from his calling. And the Holy Spirit comes and reminds us, no, you're called to do this. What are you doing over there? You're called to do this. Your grace to do this. Get to where your grace to be. He'll remind us of the calling. And lastly, he will remind us of how much God loves us. He'll remind us of how much God loves us. I realize in the church world, and even in the secular world, the word or the phrase, God loves you, is kind of like white noise. It's not really special. People take it for granted, those phrases. Jesus loves you. God loves you. But when you really understand it, it's the biggest deal in the universe. (laughs) When you really comprehend it fully, you realize it is a big deal. And I realize when when people say God loves you, you're like, yeah, okay, yeah. But the Holy Spirit has a way to come and remind you that God loves you and God's for you when you need it most. I mean, on the days you mess up the most and the days you feel like God doesn't love me anymore, God has forgotten me, God is mad at me, the Holy Spirit comes and he's your divine reminder. And he reminds you how great the love of God is for you. And he reminds you that the love of God is unconditional. Not like human love, it's unconditional. There's nothing you can do so bad to take you out of the love of God. Can we read one last verse? We're going to close today. I appreciate you guys being patient with me today and listen to what I have to say. Romans 8. Would you guys get something this morning about the Holy Spirit? One last verse, and we're going to close here today. Romans 8, in verse 35. Romans 8, in verse 35. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, nakedness or peril or sword? Let's jump down to verse 37. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, 
nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything created shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Come on, did you get something this morning? So the Holy Spirit wants to be your divine reminder. Come on, let's close our eyes for a moment. Father, uh, we just thank you for today. We, we love you today. We appreciate what you're doing in this church and what you're doing in us. Let me ask this before we close. Uh, nobody looking around, but if you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if that pertains to you, nobody looking around, could you just lift your hands for a moment? We're going to say a, a prayer today together. Well, I don't see any hands this morning, so let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for today. We just thank you for this service. We thank you for this time we had to dedicate these children. Father, we thank you for it. We, uh, 